Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of The Veterinary Optimist. I'm your host, Jennifer Evans, and today I'm joined with a dear friend of mine. Um, we really want to dive into what the heck is a KPI, and I could not think of a better person to have this conversation with. During this time, I'm going to give a little bit of a of a uh, heads up, is during this time, if you hear us kind of pushing back with each other, that's our normal cadence when we have conversations. I find it very important to keep people around me who challenge my views and push me to be more aware of different um, aspects. And Lisa is definitely one of those people. And Lisa, I, I know I've said this before, but I'm very grateful for that with you because you have challenged me more than once. And many times from the challenge, I've left being more open-minded and more understanding and more um, empathetic from your point of view. So I'm really grateful for that from you. Um, well, you let's not waste any more time. Our first challenge. Do you remember what the first one was? Uh, -uh I don't. I just thought about this. It was over okay. the fecal analyzer. Mm, yes, we did have a deep conversation around that. Yeah, I it just came to me. <laughs> well, so we'll have. Okay, so that might actually be something that we circle back around and have another conversation about one day, because that would be an interesting one. But let's just take a second, Lisa, I would like to introduce you, everybody, please welcome Lisa Matthews. Lisa, if you could, can you just give me a general overview of how long you've been in vet medicine? A little over 20 years. Okay. I've played the role in multiple areas. Um, started basically from the bottom at doggy daycare boarding and kind of work my way up. So I've held just about every position, of course, aside from DVM um, in a practice and I, you know, technician, not a license, but all this time working in ERGP, working closely with a specialty surgeon for a really long time, taking over inventory wherever I go, um, helping with the finances and practice management. Um, and now I am out of a clinic setting and working in a more veterinary hospital management setting for multiple practices. Mm, I love that. Okay. We're going to challenge ourselves on the first thing, because I say this a lot too, when I say I started from the bottom and worked my way up. So we're going to challenge each other on this only, only because I know we both deeply believe that every spot inside of a vet hospital is extremely valuable. Um, we're going to challenge ourselves from here on out to reword that. So I don't know what that's going to look like yet and how we can make it in a better light, but that's something that we'll, that we'll circle well, back it, around to. It looks, it looks like the bottom to me because I know what I aspired to be. So I had to start somewhere. So you're starting, uh, we'll call it ground level and I'm reaching here. So for me, that's the bottom reaching up for something more. Push back and I've respected already. Okay. But I will say that I always tell receptionists who say I'm just a receptionist. That is when I go back at them. You are not a receptionist. A receptionist. You are the face of the clinic. You can make or break appointments all day long. Mm. So that we are, it, that conversation too, that we're putting in the books that we're going to have, because I believe that wholeheartedly. And I believe that they can set the tone for when a client walks in the door and they are the ones that literally start everything off on the right foot. And so um, okay. I look forward to that. All right. We can see, we can do this all day long. Let's start on what the heck is a KPI. Let, I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. So let's say that I am a technician. I've been at the practice for a really long time and I've shown signs of really wanted to take on a, a next type of role like management or leadership. Okay. I'm aspiring to be this person 
I have the drive, I have the will, but I might not have all the all of the knowledge, right? And you know, sometimes we can get in a situation where we're going to go into this and try and take on world because we're so excited, especially me. And you know this about me. I'm such a dreamer, right? Like I get this opportunity and the next thing, you know, I'm trying to change everything, right? I had, I did an interview with Jill Clark. That's going to be coming out a little bit later. And in that she really talks about focusing and being a master of one thing, um, maybe two, and then, and then moving on from there. And I believe that whenever you are taking on a role like this to focus on like two major things and chip away at them, I think that's such a huge deal. And and during the course of our conversation, you really opened my eyes to why one of those few things that you should focus on should be a KPI, right? So I'm going to pause here and I'm going to say, okay, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a newbie into the management world. What the heck is a KPI and why is it important, Lisa? KPI is a key performance indicator, but I've absolutely been scarred by this term. So I, I don't think I've ever said KPI to any of my practice managers. Nope. Um, I call it goal setting. Um, because the other thing is, is that some of these KPIs that we look at, some of the metrics that we look at for performance are not going to change like overnight. Um, there's a method to getting them fixed. Um, and so it's, for me, setting goals and looking at areas of opportunity and areas of weakness. Um, for me, stepping into the role that I'm in and troubleshooting some of these metrics at practices, I wanted that immediate result. Like, all right, let's go full blast. And like you said, start changing all the things, right? And I very quickly found out that there are so many things that go on in a day in vet med that you've got to pick and choose your battles, especially those behind the scenes on the business end. And so, all right, let me look at this profit and loss statement because it really tells you how you're doing financially. For just okay, so profit and loss, is that P&L? When we hear the statement P&L, is that profit and loss? Profit and okay. loss. So if okay. we're only going to focus on that, let's throw out the other things in vet med, culture, training, we're busy, we're short staff, blah, like all these things, but all those things, right? fold on into the PL at the end of the day, because it does show us how busy we are, we are not. Um, if we see something on there and there's a question asked, it could lead, it leads down the road. And some of those could lead back to, well, there's a culture issue and that's why this has fallen off. That's why so many things, right? So if we like stop all that and we're just looking at this KPI, and you want to fix all these numbers and fix because there are benchmarks to a healthy business, period. Not just vet med, any business you run, there needs to be money at the bottom to save for a rainy day. And if there's no money at the bottom, we can't buy fancy new equipment. We can't do a whole bunch of raises. There's a lot of improvements that we can't do. We can't pay guest speakers to come in. We can't do these big um staff morale outings, these team building exercises, if there's nothing literally sitting in the bank, you know? Okay, real quick, we're gonna pause really quick because I wanna make sure if we were, if you were to give me just a couple examples off the top of your head that you're thinking about that could be considered a KPI. Can you help, just give me a couple basic examples that I would I would want to like know about starting in this role. So give me a couple of just basic, just name off maybe three or four. Cost of goods, 
Okay. Labor. Okay. Those are the two main ones. Those are the things that cost the practice the most money. Okay. The entire P&L. So we usually look at the key, the P&L in like five different buckets that it hits on the way down. There's of course more bills than that that have to be paid, but this is what we look at. And so if we're just looking at those two buckets, that is the quickest way to help to control something. That's going to be the quickest. It's going to take a bit to see the outcome, but those are the things that we can tackle straight away. Okay. All right. So, so those are the things that we, if we're going to start looking at basic things, those are a couple of basic P&L KPI indicators that we can start to really just focus on so that we're not all over the place. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about bank and having money in the bank, help me understand, do we have, as a as a new manager talking to this practice owner, do we have extra money in the bank all the time? Do we have to hit certain numbers throughout the day with the doctors and the technicians and the money we're bringing in to keep that at baseline? Or is it that what we're doing throughout the day is just adding money into this bank account so that we can do these things? How- on your practice, do you run in the negative every month or do you run with something left over? It really depends on the practice. So the first thing we need to look at if it was brand new and we're just sitting down and if I'm going to go in and consult someone, let's say pretty much, right. They say, we need your help. We got a new practice manager in here. I need you to help consult about the finances so that they understand it. And let's see where we're at. And if, if there's any areas of opportunity here. Okay, cool. So I look at their initial P and L and first thing I'm going to look at is how much did it cost for you to operate as a business? How much did you pay for rent, utilities, the cost of goods sitting on your shelf, the labor that you have versus what you actually brought in? There's all the staff lunches that get paid for, the advertising. Those Indeed ads cost a gazillion dollars a month, I feel like. Um, So there's a whole other bucket. You're recruiting what you're like all these things, all the bills that are paid, and there's a lot of them in a month. How much does it cost at the bottom line? What are your operating expenses? Because that's do you think it's important, easy. Lisa, when we talk right there, do you think it's important for multiple members of the staff to understand what base cost of operating is? Because I think sometimes as a as an assistant or a newer uh, staff member, it's easy to see these charges that we're charging people. It's easy to see these bills, but sometimes people don't fully understand like how much it really costs to run a vet hospital. In your experience, in your um, opinion, do you feel like a basic general overview of basic cost for running per month is important to talk about with some of your senior staff? Absolutely. In When I was a practice manager and I just had a thing for ending up in brand new practices and helping them turn things around, question to the owners were, how much do we need to pay the bills? Because I'm seeing as a new practice, we're not, the phones aren't ringing. Things aren't happening. Like, what do we need to make at the end of the month? Like to even just break, break even. Um, And then I could work with that. And then educating the staff, hey, y'all, we need to make X amount of dollars so that we can break even just so we can get our paychecks (laughs) to keep the lights on, to be able to open next month again 
um, those sorts of things. So I felt that each place I've gone into being transparent about the finances, letting them know why we need to make a certain amount of money, how much that money is and goal setting week over week, month over month. Um, Cause I'll never forget the last practice we had goals and we had some incentives there too, to hit these goals. Not just that we all care deeply about our practice. That's number one. We never wanted the doors to shut. We absolutely love what we do. And we felt pride when we could hit those numbers. And so we would go with a week left in the, in the month and pull up that number. Y'all were X amount of dollars short. We're, we're cool. Double booking, triple booking, you know, let's get everything in every tech appointment we can see we'll do. We'll see if we can squeeze in an extra surgery. Let's talk to the doctor. Let's, you know, don't turn anything away. Even if we know we're going to turn from TER, let's get that blood work. Let's get that consult done. Save the client some money by doing these things in the clinic. And then, you know, then they can go to ER. We've saved them a, a bit. So we would rally like that, making sure compliance worked. Are we making sure flea tick heartworm prevention is being mentioned? And how often is it going out of the door? Fecal compliance on top of that. Are we making sure fecals are coming in with annuals, making sure we're not missing charges. So we would rally as a team to make sure that these things happen. So I feel like once there's financial transparency, it can bring your entire team together. Culture plays a whole other role in that. That's the discussion for later. I'm sure you'll get to that topic. But overall, in my experience, the moment those doors are opened, you can get buy-in from the rest of your staff and then they understand why we can't just give things away for free. Well, you know what I love about it too, because I didn't recognize this until I went into management. It was so easy to look out and say, oh, these, these doctors make all of this money and they're doing all of these things and I'm working so hard and you know, we don't see a lot of what's happening behind the door. So you don't recognize just really how expensive um, things can be. And, and when I got into that role and I started seeing even the basic water bill, it, it is mind blowing. And when you're able to put it together, I agree with you. It was, we did the same thing. We were transparent about goals that we wanted to hit and why they were important. And I believe that that's something that I talk about a lot with goal setting is, if they know about it and you're being open and vulnerable with them, with your team, then we want to come together. And then all of a sudden we're working as a team to do these things that are not only going to serve the clinic and the person who owns the clinic, but that is also going to turn back around and serve us because now they've been transparent and now we really understand what we're working towards. And I really believe that that is um, incredibly important. So when we talk about the the bank being at base level that is you saying that base level is we've made enough to simply cover the bills and cover the paychecks in your experience do a lot of clinics function like that where they're kind of going off a month to month basis of breaking even and then whatever they make over is 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 typically um more than they expected, less than they expected? Is it hard to measure? Is it is it hard to know kind of what they're looking for once they break even? Um, no, they, they, every clinic that I work with, every practice manager, every uh, practice owner, I think is very well aware that we do need money in the bank at the end of the day, because if you even run negative $1,000 for the month, what vendor 
what bill some some people's electric bill alone is a thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. um, what bill didn't you pay what bill are you now behind what late fees about to be tacked on to that what vendor is going to be sending you second third final notices now to pay your bill right and so then you're like, ooh, we're in the negative. We have to try to make this up next month. Um, so it depends on the clinic. And if there is money in the bank, some people are like, well, there's money in the bank. Well, how much money in the bank is there? Because if it costs you as a practice, $100,000, which that's a very real number. I'm going to ask that. $100,000 just to function, just to be you, just to be open, to hold the stuff on your shelf, to pay the staff pay all of the bills that are included at, at the end of the day, buy your paper towels and toilet paper, $100,000 and you say, well, we banked 5,000, we banked 10,000, okay? How many $10,000 months do you have to have to cover one month of operations? What happens if you have to shut your doors? What happens if you have a flood? You're not getting business until the, the things are fixed. What happens if your sole doctor ends up in a serious circumstance and Back goes out days of operations that you don't have? You're just trying to open up to do the uh, prescriptions and food out the door, getting relief vets in, which costs a lot of money to pay a relief vet for a day. And typically, because they're relief, they don't book up. Now you're you're spending more money keeping the doors open. That's going to be more than $100,000 because now you're paying that doctor paid time off. So you're doubling down on your doctor staff. So that $100,000 is now going to up, go up a little bit. So $10,000 is not even enough at the end of the day when you think about it. So on the PL, usually there's about five buckets that are going to be hit on the way down. So when I look at it, $1 costs us five. So basically it, you're hitting buckets at 20% intervals. The revenue is mostly gained by the doctor and that technician working together. Everybody working together starts that revenue pot at the top. You have to work together as a complete team supporting each other to make those dollars. Yes, the veterinarians are driving most of the dollars, but without their technicians, they can't do that. So your whole appointment's paying for that doctor and you as a technician and the receptionist and all the things that it hits on the way down. So we have so to pull I'm gonna, together. I'm gonna, I'll continue, I'm sorry. So we have to pull together to make the revenue pile at the top so that we can pay all the bills as it makes its way down and then have money that sits in the bank at the end for a rainy day because one catastrophic event, you only have 20, even 20,000 in the bank. What are you doing with that? Well, and you think of it this way, like raises are important and, and team building is important. And if we're not hitting those numbers and putting a little bit of extra in the bank, we can't afford those things. And I think it's really easy for us to lose sight of that with a, with a, let's say a Durham appointment comes in they are getting the works for the most part. Dermatology appointments can be expensive because the drugs that truly treat them efficiently cost a lot of money. The diagnostic to understand what kind of infection is happening or what kind of skin problem is really going on or what kind of ear problem, that stuff is expensive. And for us, it's so painful putting these charges in, right? 
And then the owner wants a nail trim on this lab who's going to take us two technicians in 15 minutes to trim his nails because he's so happy. He just wants to lick our face. And to us, we're thinking, oh, they just spent $250 on their dog's allergies. I'm going to just give them this nail trim, right? And although that is kind, and I do find places where that is a way to give back to your customers and say thank you, overall, forgetting charges or not putting charges on an invoice can be one of the damages, most damaging things to a KPI. Would you say that that is a correct statement? Absolutely, because you need the revenue pool to make it to the bottom, but also you're devaluing your time when you do this. So as a technician, we all want higher wages, which I completely agree with. We want this to be a grown-up job. That's why I left the industry for a bit. Here I am again. But we want to be paid so that we're not living with roommates. We're not relying on a two-income household. We want to be you know, a standalone situation, but you're devaluing your time and your, your, the service that you're giving, you're devaluing you as a technician with your skill when you're just giving stuff away. And yes, we're all bleeding hearts and that's why we do those things. But at the end of the day, you just took however much a nail trim is out of your pocket. And how many of those nail trims are you giving away? So let's total up the dollars of all the nail trims. A lot of people don't understand where we're missing things until let's go run a report. Let's see how many no charge rechecks you did, how many complimentary nail trims you did, how many discounts you gave away and OMG. But, but Lisa, that client was, that client was already complaining about money and that client was already kind of giving us a hard time. Why? And they spent $250 last time. Why wouldn't we do a follow-up recheck, no charge um, to help them out? Why are you not helping yourself out? You asked for a raise, but you're willing to give away your raise. Raises cost money too. And so when we th think about too, it, yeah, I say put money away, we need raises, et cetera. But get, but you also, if you give raises without doing something else to cover those raises, you are eating away at the money in the bank. So even if you think $1 raise is going to, yeah, it costs five because you're giving a dollar now, it's going to eat away at the bottom line. You give everybody a $1 raise on your staff. That could be $14 for some clinics that you have now given away. And how many hours? Let's pretend all 14 people work 80 hours because we know we're all short staff now. Some of them run into OT. What do those dollars equate at the end of the year? So how much have you taken out of the bank without putting something back in? Now you're running even again. But consistently in the practice, we're not tagging a direct value to our services. Even doctors do it. Doctors are sometimes the worst for giving stuff away. But what does that look like too for the doctor? Now, when we go look at numbers too, what's your average invoice? I heard the other day, someone's average invoice was super low. We'll call it, we'll call it a hundred bucks. If the average invoice is like 280, how in the world is it a hundred dollars? Pulling the reports, they're not charging exam fees or rechecks because they just feel a particular way about how much their exam fee costs, how much the rechecks cost. So they're really just not charging. 
but you're getting paid X amount of dollars and you're not bringing any of that in. So that's another component there. No one's covering their base salary. So we're gonna be negative at the end of the day or they're just paying for themselves. So imagine how many buckets that could, that might only drop into two buckets on the way down. That's it. And we've got we're, nothing. And so we're going to, we're going to stay in this area and dig into this for a little bit, because I think this is such an important conversation to have when we talk about the, us giving away these services, whether you are forgetting to put one item on there, I cannot tell you how many times I heard the statement throughout a day from a different technician that said, oh, I forgot to do that. Oh, I forgot to do that. Well, even if you call them back, like, so let's say you forget a convenient injection, right? Like, if you forget, like now you have to call them back and tell them about this mistake you've made and that that's going to cost money too, because those are all things that we can be focusing on something else. But ultimately you're right. These buckets do need to be filled or else we can't continue to flourish and grow. And with that comes the fact that we have every right to charge for our services because the people that are seeing your pets, the veterinarians, the vet assistants, the vet technicians, everybody in there has been trained to be this person who is knowledgeable and available to help serve your pets. That is what you are paying for. You are paying for that time and for that safety with your pet being with those individuals, right? Like there are low cost places all over the place that you can take your pet to if finances is a major thing. And if you really break it down, you know, each year we had to do a list of our clients and, and the amount they spend and things like that. And I think sometimes we get in this thought process of, we see these clients in there and we're like, oh, they spend so much with us all the time because they're buying food and stuff like that. But when you look at it over the course of 12 months for a pet that has significant problems, it's still not some astronomical number, but in our minds, because we're checking them out at that moment. We're like, oh, this is much. We're going to finagle this a little bit. We can't do this to them. Well, when you do that, you're really doing that to your team. You're you're saying, I can't do this to them, but I can certainly take food out of our mouths. And it just shouldn't be looked at like that. Think about it. The client, this isn't a client who is spending money as a... <laughs> on a recreational thing. This isn't the client who comes to the day spa once a week and buys the two hour package or buys the day package at the spa. And therefore we'll give them a little gift to give them a free glass of wine this time when they come in. This isn't that client. The client's coming in because they absolutely have to come in. They're not coming in for funsies. That's not why they're coming in. They're coming in because there's a problem. We, I mean, yes, it's great to see Mrs. Jones every time she comes in because Buddy the pit bull is having its allergy problems again and he's super sweet and blah, blah, blah. And you like to talk to her and you love to see Buddy. But at the end of the day, they're coming in all the time because there is a problem. And so this isn't a recreational visit to the vet clinic where I've chosen to come here and spend money. This isn't them going and taking their pet to PetSmart and perusing the aisles and let me let my dog pick out the most amazing toy and treats and I'm doing all these things. That's not what this visit is about. I'm going to my doctor's office. I'm taking my kids to the doctor's office. They are charging me. I can complain all day about my copay. They do not care. I pay You want that knowledge. I want someone knowledgeable looking at my family members. I want someone knowledgeable looking at, and, and to get that, like that cost- 
that costs money to trust the person that is seeing your pet. And we should feel confident being those people. And, and to me, it's just really important. So I'm super grateful that, that you feel as strongly about this because um, I think it can really help at least give some guidance of where to start at for a brand new manager coming in. And so I'm going to try and bring this full circle. So to make sure that we um, really touch points on, on what we've talked about as a new manager, I need to pick only a couple of things to focus on. And if I am focusing on something within the KPI PNL area, again, the key performance indicators and the performance and loss if I focus in on charges going on the invoice and if I focus in on our team having financial transparency and understanding what our goals are and really, really, really trying to set goals to not miss charges or to not devalue our services, do you feel like that is a good place for a manager to start on, on their new journey for leadership? Yes, even if even if you bring in enough revenue, it's always a good place to start because that can fluctuate and it builds a culture in your practice. And if your finances are healthy, usually at the top, I'm assuming that you guys all work well together. But if your finances are healthy at the top and there's no money in the bottom, we've got some other issues. So yes, it's always a good place to start. Um, the other place I always look at would be your cost of goods, because often we are overstocked on the shelves, backup, backup, backup supply, things expiring and no one realizing it, unable to return to vendor for credit. We're losing money on that. They're inappropriately priced. So that's another area that I look at like right away is what does that look like? What does that percentage to revenue look like on our cost of goods? How much are you holding on the shelf right now? And why are we holding that much product on the shelf? Why is that necessary? Do you really run through that much product in a month? Then why are we holding it? Because you want the money you're bringing in to pay what you're holding on to. You want this even shuffle of things, but instead you're holding, and I could go into a complete accounting perspective on this, but you don't want to hold a ton of stuff on the shelf. So if we're doing that, you kind of shot yourself in the foot in one month. And now you're trying to catch up and pay for it in the in the subsequent months. But then here we go okay, again. So you're a giant order and overloading your profit and loss for the okay, rest. So you're saying we get to have a second conversation. Like we're going to get to continue this to part two because now we've opened the door to inventory and invoices on that side and why that's important and how it can play a part into this. So that's what you're telling me we get part two? There's a part two because we're okay. talking about mischarges. It's not just about service mischarges. Those inventory items also contribute to the top. So whatever those margins are for your inventory items, those get thrown into the revenue pool at the top of that P&L. But it's got to pay for itself and not just and just paying for itself does not mean that the thing costs $5 so we can send it out for $5 and that pays. Who ordered it? Who unpacked it? Who received it? Who's doing the reconciliation? All those things cost money. They roll into the one product. It's not free to literally receive an item. It you're slapping so on it. You're paying for that. The software you're using has an annual cost, if not monthly subscription, depending on cloud-based or server-based. So 
yeah, I could pick apart the stuff. I know my practice managers probably eye roll me, but the one thing they have said is they now understand and they get it. And they look at things a lot more closely before making purchasing decisions. And we talk about it. You want to make a purchase. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm saying, all right, bring me your argument. How does this make sense? How does this fit your financials? And let's pretend it's a thing that doesn't fit your financials. Why do you need this thing? How is it going to be paid for? Okay. All right. So that'll be the continuous, the continued conversation between you and I. Right now, we'll put a pause in the conversation until part two arises, um, and we will leave on this note. If you are just starting, and you are excited, and you want to change all things, please try and take a deep breath and pick only a couple things to focus on. The things that Lisa and I talked about today are things like charges going on the invoices and not devaluing your services, and as and having an open financial conversation with your staff or or your leadership staff, whoever that may be that you feel comfortable having that conversation with. But the more transparent you are, the more you're able to really set goals and have people understand why we're working together for those goals. And Lisa, I am so grateful for you and for your friendship. I'm grateful for your ability to push back. I'm grateful for your brain power and what you're capable of. Um, I'm I'm a million times grateful for your service to VetMed. And I look forward to part two of this conversation. As always, you know, I feel the same. Uh, I don't think I ever saw this friendship brewing, how we met, where we went, but it has definitely gone a long way. I'm super proud of you and what you have jumped into to accomplish. And you are definitely living up to all the things you said you wanted to do for vet med from the day I met you. And when I got that text that you went full plunge, both feet <laughs> at one time, I was like, OMG, she's doing it. So super proud. Yeah, that'll of be, you. that'll be another conversation too. I just want you to know that I'm writing the day's date down and the compliment that I just received from you. I have a, I have a list of Lisa's compliments right here. And there's only one on there. Um, and this is after two years of friendship. So I'm going to go ahead and put this second one on here and uh, we'll consider that a day. Yeah, uh, that that y'all adds to my list of favorites, which is <laughs> that list too. <laughs> All right, deal. All right. All right. Everybody, y'all have a great day and we will see you next time.